Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to the Woo Curious Podcast, your map to the mystical, your key to the sacred, and your guide back home to yourself. I'm Eileen, a writer, a spiritual coach, energy healer, and slow living witch. And I'm Ellie, a sacred sensuality facilitator, a spiritual coach, and an anointing priestess. This podcast is your invitation to explore a world where the mundane and the sacred intertwine. It is a haven for those ready to take the first steps into the realm of magic and mystery, providing a safe space for you to embark on your own enchanted journey. Here we'll unveil the whispers of the mystical, the rituals often hidden in plain sight, and the ceremonies that will stir your soul. We're all about demystifying woo and witchcraft, making these ancient practices accessible to all. So whether you're a seasoned seeker or simply woo curious, we are here to guide you on your path to self-discovery, healing, and empowerment. So join us as we light the way and invite you to rediscover your true essence. Welcome back, Woo Crew. We're here with the Woo Curious Podcast. I'm Ellie, your host. And I'm Eileen. <laughs> and we are really excited to talk to you tonight today about shadow work. Mm-hmm. Before we do, we have a few things that we like to do at the top of the podcast. We want to read a review that came in because we love hearing from you. We love reviews. So this review is from Belinda Gilliatt. Let me know if I'm saying your name correctly. And her review says, I stumbled upon this podcast and I am really enjoying it. The hosts are engaging, down to earth and informative. I'm learning so much. And FTP. FTP. <laughs> Thanks, Melinda. Thanks for that. We love, love, love hearing from you. If you want to go to Apple Podcasts, you can leave a five-star review for us. And we read them. We read each and every one of them. And maybe yours will be right out on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's true. It might be. <laughs> we also get to start announcing, shouting out, celebrating our Patreon members as you arrive. And we talked last week about how excited we are to be holding a bit of a deeper space to build community for the Woo crew, doing book club, doing new moon readings, doing Witch's Corner, where you get to come and ask us your questions in real time and more delights and surprises. And we have our very first follower last week, and we are so thrilled to welcome Janelle into the fold into the coven into the coven welcome the temple doors are open we're ready for you to arrive we are. We for are. anyone that wants to join us in our patreon we're going to talk more about that at the end of this podcast episode mm-hmm. and in tradition <laughs> we're also going to start with talking about magic in everyday life so ellie what what magical thing happened to you this week Okay, the most magical thing I think that happened to me this week, there was multiple, but I'm really paying attention to how my cycle and the cycle of the moon affects me and how I like to work and how I like to rest and being a projector, I like to rest, even though I'm in a generator and manifesting generator world of go, go, go. And so I'm just really listening to, even though I have daily things that I have to do, of course, for work and for housing and being the alpha of a pack of dogs that are here with me in the room, you may hear them through the episode. 
I'm just trying to really like tune in and deepen my understanding of how I operate without like with the deconditioning of the outside world. What is it that I need in my life? And so on Sunday morning, my lover and I spent quite a bit of time in bed with our pups on the bed, which is just a special privilege. Dogs on the bed. I'm the hard one in the family. She would have them in the bed all the time. <laughs> I am the dogs, no, no in the bed. But every time we get to just all snuggle and hang out in the bedroom together, it is so lovely. And the way that they interact on the bed a, it becomes like a World Wrestling Federation grand finale, but it just becomes the most wonderful bonding experience with my pups and I, and I loved it. And to top it off, we spoke about ba bathing last week. I took myself on another solo date and I got some more bath products that were really just to go around the bath. Some things to do a little smoke ceremony with and some more candles and some flower petals to put in the tub and mm. so after that I just took a bath and it was fantastic mm, it was so like fantastic the perfect Sunday yes it was the perfect Sunday mm, and I love that. that I love that like connection starting to really tune into your cycle and the moon because that's something that I'm really paying attention to as well and I tend to have a shorter cycle like a 23 24 day cycle and I recently asked my body if it could please just sync up with the moon because that feels easier. <laughs> and I ovulated like two days later than usual this month. So I'm I'm curious, like it happened on, I think it was Thursday or Friday last week and today's the full moon as we record. So I feel like maybe it's nudging in the, it's not right. There's no right or wrong about it, but in the direction that I asked. So I'll, I'll report back. <laughs> That's what everybody's curious about. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm honestly, I'm very curious about this. Tell me about something magical that happened in your life last week. Mm -hmm. I went out on Friday night with a group of women for my sister's birthday. It was her birthday was like a month, two months ago, two months ago. <laughs> but with life being what it is, her bestie arranged for us to actually have a good celebration because nothing really happened around that date. And we went for dinner and it was wonderful. There was 10 of us. And then we went out dancing and I have not been out dancing with a group of women since the retreat. Yeah. And even that was like, you know, a fun little moment in the night, but this was like, you know, we went to a club first. We went to a really shitty well, I don't know. It was a restaurant that was trying to be all, you know, turning into a nightclub after nine or 10 or whatever. And it was all like, Meh. So we didn't like the vibes. We left and went to the gay bar because that's honestly where you do. That's it's where called. my vibes are. Right? It's Twist Twisted Element is the name of the bar. And it's funny because I have some like my best memories of going out dancing are always at that bar. I think because you get to just be. There's this sense of safety, especially I mean, as anybody in a female body can attest, dancing in a regular bar doesn't feel safe. It feels performative. It feels like you're constantly watching your back. It feels like you kind of have to be on guard the whole time. You know you're being watched. And dancing in a gay bar with a group of women who are like, we were so clearly the group of straight women. <laughs> like, so we know obvious. you. We all had our purses because we, we just can see you a mile dinner. away. Yeah, we can see a you a mile away. We know you. We 
really stuck out like a sore thumb, but it was great. It was so much fun. It always feels so welcoming. It just felt amazing to move my body in like an entirely expansive way without thinking or worrying about what anybody else was saying. And we danced to like almost 1am, which when your bedtime's oh. usually 10, it's that's late. <laughs> that's really <laughs> late. Yeah. I want to say, first of all, us queers over here are, for the most part, give and take, FTP, and therefore a safe place to dance, which is great. And I also love that you and your gal pals were like, I know, we want to go to a place where we can just dance it out. Hang on. It's the gay bar. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It's with the gays. Of course it is. We're just here. I mean, our gay dudes, they will judge the shit out of you. Oh, and yeah. They'll continue to dance with you and they're not going to hit on you. And that's all you need. Yeah. They're going to judge the shit out of me, but they're not going to grope me unwanted. Ugh. Oh, gosh. Unlike the dude at the straight bar who was with his wife. Oh, oh, gosh. Yeah. I, I have two things to say about this. One, that one thing, though, one downfall about the gay bar is that at least, you know, for protective reasons, you can, at a straight bar, go to the girls' washroom and hide out. Mm-hmm. You can't hide at a gay bar because we can go everywhere, first of all. Mm-hmm. But the chances of you having to hide at a gay bar are, pr- I've had to do it once. It's pretty low. Yeah, it was super yeah. low. I've had to do it once. And it's it's just because when I first moved to Vancouver, see, us Vancouverers, we know fresh meat when we smell it, when we see you. And they knew that I was fresh meat. And I was like, I got to go. I can't, I can't handle this. There's too many babes <laughs> in, this, in this place. I'm overstimulated. It's time to go home. Nice. Yeah, so, it was really interesting. There was one man there who was clearly straight and clearly alone. And that was the only like... I just kept like putting up like I felt like I was putting up my wings my big scary I'm a witch get the fuck away from my women wings <laughs> when he'd get too yeah. close and he he could feel it he kept like breaking eye contact and moving away anytime I would look at him and like kind of move between him and the other woman I was with I was like dude I don't know like you thought one of your friends maybe told you that straight women like to come to the gay bar because they feel safe so now you're gonna come prey on us in this space like fuck off we are empowered here <laughs> yeah there needs to be a note on the door Listen, check your intentions. If this is why you're coming, turn around. The other place is across the street. Go there. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. Check your intentions place. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love a good night out dancing at the the gay bar. Longingly looks to the sky. Mm. (laughs) I'm a bad one. Uh, well, what shall we, gonna... we shall we move from the gay bar into today's topic? Yeah, from the darkness of the gay bar to the depths of shadow work. Oh, that's, that's I'm writing that down. That's the yeah. title. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about shadow work and your shadow in general and how and where it shows up in your life. Yes, we are. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, so let's start with a little bit of an outline for today's episode. Let's talk first about what shadow work is, because not everybody is familiar with what shadow work is, or, you know, we've heard terms be tossed around in general before of like your ego or your shadow or, but like, what what actually is that? Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about integrating and accepting your shadow, because this is still part of us is still part of something that we embody and therefore something that we need to accept let's talk about 
healing your shadow and the benefits to healing your shadow and then some ways that you can heal your shadow for mm-hmm. the better the betterment of yourself and and those around you really yeah ways that you can poke your toe in there <laughs> safely your- you can go deeper than a toe poke but sometimes it, especially if you're first starting out it's really nice to have some ways to access it without going to like the deepest darkest wound I think that t- and and like let me know come tell me on Instagram if you are also a Scorpio and you're like we don't dip toes <laughs> we dive head first I don't know what you're talking about, but it's true. Most of everybody else just dips a toe in to see what it's like, see see what's going on in here. Okay, let's understand what shadow work is. So essentially shadow work is the unconscious aspects of ourself. So it shows up often in when we're having conversations. And I see it most often when we're having conversations around struggle. And we'll say Mm -hmm. things like, well, that's just the way it is. Or I'll never be able to. Or we have really strong belief that might fall into the category of negativity or be seen Mm -hmm. more in a negative spin of things. Shadow work is often also anybody that we know that is cynical, their shadow lives very close to the surface. And that that cynicism is something that often comes out in the way that we speak or the way that we are. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it also feels a lot to me of, you know, those those behaviors or knee-jerk reactions that we have that are not helpful, but they happen before we can even understand that they're happening. And sometimes we don't even realize or recognize that there is a choice to react or respond differently because of something that's deep and kind of buried. Yeah, I was going to say that this is rep- repressed emotions. This is exactly mm-hmm. what this is. It's repressed emotions, fears, it's our desires that influence our thoughts and behaviors that often are just like it's in the darkness of something. We call it shadow work for a reason. And I think what you said here about knee-jerk reactions is that often what happens, like if we think maybe you're not somebody who's ever had a dispute with somebody that you were in relationship with. But if you have, if you're somebody who has, (laughs) then often we have this initial reaction to things. And I think about this like the reaction versus the response. And our reaction is like, our shadow just comes up, our inner child just comes up and it, it, it says like, I don't like this. And mm-hmm. then we'll really start to think about what happened and the parameters of what it is that we're discussing or we're, we're disputing, if you will, then a lot of that gets unpacked. And I think the beauty of shadow work, like an understanding it is that a lot of people are afraid of it and they're afraid of it because it is painful. Like there is a sense of pain that's often associated with us when we're working in shadow work. And the more light we sh- we shine on that shadow, the less dark it is, the less dense it is, the more we can understand ourselves and the more we can actually literally, in quotations, bring it to light. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it is that sense there of like, shine the light, peel away the layer. Like you can cut right to the core if you want but you don't have to you can work this in layers you can work this in stages and often no matter how deep you think you've cut once you get that all exposed there'll be more it's not typically something that you're ever finished doing there's no quick fix it's not like heal your shadow and you're you're done (laughs) and then you just live in the light for the rest of your life no another shadow emerges Mm -hmm. 
or it shines again. Mm-hmm. I also think that in this work, whenever we're really understanding our shadow, it comes up in ways where we feel very resistant to change. Like, how do we know if this is a shadow? You know, it may be something that shows up in different aspects of your life. I remember going through a yoga workshop with somebody and one of the questions that we had was, what's what's a theme that continues to come up in your life? And literally the day before, I had three individuals in separate situations say to me, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. You know what? I think you're just being really hard on yourself. And I thought to myself, well, herein lies the expectation that I have where no mistakes will be done. That's the shadow. That perfection Mm -hmm. will happen on the very first try. Mm -hmm. And I think as women, we often see perfectionism as a shadow. And I also see it, especially with working for so many years with yoga teachers and students, perfectionism comes out in a way that we think that it's something that is improving us like we can't we can't release this thing that is really close to our heart until it's perfect and that's our shadow saying to us that we will never expose it because it will never be perfect I think that this is pointing to that need to protect ourselves right to not be seen. We talked a lot about this in the witch wound. The witch wound is a part of our shadow. We all carry those similar threads. They're they're going to be pieces of your shadow that exactly match other people's shadow as well. And for women in this society, a lot of that manifests in the way that the witch wound manifests. If you are looking for a book to start to like peel away those layers, might I suggest Brene Brown, The Gifts of Imperfection? Oh, good, good suggestion. Great suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. The first book that made me go, oh, oh, (laughs) it actually might have been the first book that ever directly pointed me at my shadow and had me see it long before I knew what the term shadow work was. Yeah, of course. I, again, I read that book (laughs) and it also pointed me in that direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My first counselor, my first therapist ever suggested it and I can't thank her enough. Oh, no, actually, it was our marriage counselor. Ah. Mm-hmm. We only went to her three times because we hit a wall on session three. And <laughs> she was like, I think you both need to see counselors separately. And I was like, I agree. And my partner was like, absolutely not. And here you are today. And here we are today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Gifts of Perfection is a great place to start. If you search shadow work, there's going to be lots of things that come up. Oh, for sure. So let's switch over to integrating and accepting our shadow. So now we've identified what this is. We understand. We're here. We can see it. Well, we can kind of see it. Rather than, let's talk about integrating this and accepting this, rather than rejecting our shadow elements, which is just acknowledging, to say, we're just acknowledging that they're there. The goal is really to bring them to our consciousness and to integrate them into our whole self. And so Mm. what I want to be super clear about this, super duper clear, is that this is not saying, oh, that's a trauma, which shadow work is trauma. That is a trauma that I've experienced in my life. Everyone else needs to be aware of it around me. And therefore, I don't have to do anything about it besides make it aware to everybody I know. Mm point of integration is also working on your shadow 
because that integration is not still when we're just identifying it it's still something that is slightly outside of us we can we can just see it like if we've cloned our shadow self to stand beside us the point is not to have this shadow self stand beside us but actually for it to move back and be superimposed in in ourselves so that mm-hmm. we can understand oh when i react like this this is part of my shadow being expressed and therefore i have to move from this place I can choose to shift that behavior over time. And initially, it'll look like recognizing after the fact, pausing, and maybe even verbalizing if it's to someone that you've reacted and saying, I'm sorry, I reacted that way. I'm working on this behavior. And the more times you can catch it, the more, the sooner and sooner you'll catch it to the point where eventually you start catching up before you've had the response and you can just note, oh, that's what I would have done. That's what I would have done. Yeah. And I do find, especially in working with um, women in relationships, that often what happens is instead of catching it, it's just the continual identification. Like we're in yoga, we call this a samskara. It's this continual lesson that we're trying to learn over and over again, but we missed the lesson completely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've noticed in myself a lot being able to now identify, but often it'll be like, you know, an hour later that I'm like, oh, and then it feels like really weird to go and be like, hey, this thing that I did <laughs> and open up that dialogue. Uh, and depending on who you're opening a dialogue with, they might be like, well, I don't like, what are you even talking about? I don't remember. <laughs> Whereas you're like, I've been stewing on this for the last hour that it felt so shitty and I couldn't figure out why. And now I know why and I have to tell you. I will never not think about this before I go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> right. And the other person is just like, I'm sorry, what did we talk? What did you say to me? Yeah. Because yeah. our shadow work is individual. It is. It is. And I think this is an important time as well to point out this piece of, I think when we start talking about shadow work and some of the ways it gets misconstrued in the spiritual community is like you said, this like, oh, I have this shadow. I'm going to excise it from myself because it's bad and it's dark and spirituality means always being in the light and always being positive and always being happy and pure and all of those things which is really a, I want to say like capitalistic version of spirituality that keeps you feeling like you're not getting it. And therefore you keep needing to consume in order to achieve this state of pure spirituality. And that's really not what the essence of it is. The essence of it is integrating, accepting that sense of being able to see your shadow and say, thank you for what you've done for me. Right. Cause it mm-hmm. is often those protective beliefs or behavior from in our past or from our ancestors that have been passed down to us it was there for a reason and that reason was usually initially to protect you and lots of times in the spiritual world we you hear this being called spiritual bypassing yes and so it's this it is it's this constant false positivity where nothing's wrong nothing's ever wrong we can get through anything everything can be fixed And there is a point, I think one of the things that really attracted me to witchcraft and, and witchery in general, is that the sun isn't always shining. Like if we bring Mm -hmm. this back into the natural world, like it's not always summer, there's Mm -hmm. also winter and it can Mm -hmm. be sunny in winter, but it's cozy and it's the time, like this is our shadow work time. This is our, our moment in time to go into the cave and hibernate. 
the dark moon is also a very popular time to work and or to experience shadow work. I know for myself that I really experienced my shadow just before a major breakthrough. And actually mm. a past partner pointed this out to me that I would just like spiral and spiral like two or three days before something that was very successful in my life. And I would say to myself, this is never going to happen. It's never going to work. I will never be expressed in this way. And then two, two days later, fully expressed and look back being like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. That did not happen. That shadow aspect of me did not happen because it is so far away. The healing, the quantum leap is so far away that it feels like so far behind us that we have done that work. And so, yeah, I do really feel and find a lot of bypassing. A lot of people who sometimes that we have that performative or rub with whenever we encounter them, it can often be because of, an, it can be two things. It can be an unexpressed shadow in yourself and it can be a bypassing in them. And so it's our work really to, to decipher what's actually going on there. And our work, I think, is especially for us to take a look at ourselves mm -hmm. and not yeah. necessarily use this as a like, well, that's your shadow and that's a you problem, not a me problem. That's not what we're talking about here. We're really using this as ways for, for us to develop ourselves. Yeah, recognizing your own shadows. You may very well see shadows in other people where they can't see them, but they are so deeply personal unless you are in like a healing relationship or something where a person has explicitly asked for your help shedding some light on things like that. It's I don't think it's ever okay to be like, that's your shadow because that feels blamey and ick. It's like you can recognize it there and then notice how you respond to it. Mm-hmm. And I find, again, bringing this back into, well, bringing this into two aspects, actually, into being a projector and a Scorpio. But projectors, we are able to see past this because we can see the system and the, the result forward from what the situation is in front of us. But Scorpios really live in a lot of ways in some shadow work. And it's we're comfy in here. It's like we're in Hecate's cave. Mm -hmm. We're in here. We're cozy. We're working our magic and we're going to emerge whenever we so please. <laughs> yeah, I feel like as Aquarians are the opposite. I'm like, hmm, do I really need to look at that? That feels like there's emotions in there, must I? <laughs> you stay above the water, never below. Yeah, it feels like there's more air up here. <laughs> there's way more air up there. It's true. Uh <laughs> Healing your shadow, you can do this in a couple of different ways. We're going to talk about specifics a little bit later on. But healing your shadow is really by, we do this by facing these aspects, returning inward from our, to ourselves and taking a look deeply inside of us to say, okay, this is some unresolved trauma. Okay, this is a shadow. This is an aspect of myself that needs some kindness and compassion and some integration. And when that happens, you take you take that massive quantum leap forward. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you can release patterns that no longer serve you. You can cultivate deeper sense of, of self-fulfillment or self-awareness. And it's an opportunity for you to really just integrate. It's really integrating both, both of those aspects. There's something so empowering and also soothing about accepting all of the parts of yourself of being able to acknowledge them and see them and be like yeah hey I see you you're there do I love that piece no 
not really. If I could choose, maybe I wouldn't have it, but being okay with accepting it. I'm reading The Myth of Normal right now, which if you haven't read it, oh my God. (laughs) And he was talking about the difference between acceptance and resignation. And so that is, I think it's a really important difference to point out that acceptance of how things are right now in this moment does not mean you're resigned to them, just as accepting your shadows exactly as they show up and how they appear and and pop up in your life doesn't mean you're resigned to living with their negative parts of them, right? With the negative beliefs or attitudes or behaviors that stem from them, acknowledging them or accepting them is not being resigned to never changing them, which is where shadow work comes in. Gavramate. Brilliant, man. So brilliant. Sing the praises. Yeah. It's a really good book. It's like 600 pages long, but it's a really good book. I just got a library card. I need to announce this. I I just got a library card. I have resigned having a library card for many years because I've paid like $120 to not read a book before. (laughs) <laughs> and so it's just it's just financially more responsible for me to buy a book and not read it than it is for me to take it home from the library and not return it on time. And so I feel like I have now graduated into a calendar and reminders and all of the things that I will remember to bring a library book back. Speaking of shadow self. Mm-hmm. And now I can go to the library, but one of the first books I picked up did not bring home with me because it is not yet. My shadow thinks that I can read 100 books at the same time in three days. And the reality, the reality is I cannot do that. No, I am not. I don't have that capability. No, you don't. I'm probably reading about eight books right now between audible and physical hard copy. Did I go to the bookstore this weekend and pick up a new book? Yes, it actually is a novel, which is exciting. Ooh, I have six on the go right now. <laughs> Two of them are novels. I, I probably have at least that many. So I picked up The Myth of Normal and I said to myself, I know Eileen's reading this for her book club right now. It would be so great. And I put it back on the shelf because I said, I do not have capacity for this in this moment. Although I feel like Gabor Mate, I just, I eat him with a spoon. Devouring it. It is, it is not actually my book club book. It's the one I wish was my book club book. Against Purity, Living Ethically in a Compromised World is my book club book currently. And like reading, (laughs) like reading. I'm like, I need a break from like my brain. It's a philosophy textbook. Like it's like this dinky little soft cover and it was 40 bucks because it's actually a philosophy text. And so I just haven't read that type of writing, that academic philosophy style writing in so long that I'm finding it a real struggle. (laughs) Like, uh, Gabor, please tell me this in terms that anybody can understand because this feels gentler on my mind. He is, is is a gentle read. A little... Yes. A little aside for the myth of normal and Gabramate. Yeah. <laughs> and healing your shadow, which that whole book kind of talks about this myth of normal, this like, and the shadow side, I mean, he, it's right up all of our alleys is he talks so much about the harms of capitalism, the patriarchy, people pleasing, and why women suffer from more autoimmune issues than men. And he's like, it's people pleasing. Stop being so damn nice. But then it's really hard to do when that's what we've been told we need to do to be good our whole lives. Mm-hmm. To be good. To be good. Ugh. The yeah, the disdain that I have in just saying <laughs> that I was like, to be good. 
Tell me. And more. yet, yeah. my my knee jerk re- response in every situation is still to be good. Yeah. 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 Who knew <laughs> so that part of our shadow would actually be like these light qualities? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How far? How far? The Scorpio wants to know how far deep do you want to go into this? <laughs> tell, tell me more about that. <laughs> let's talk about the benefits to healing your shadow. Yeah. Let's. This was a fun one. I was like, okay, I'm going to prepare for this episode. So we kind of curate a list. We tweaked it. We're going to talk about it. We're probably going to go entirely off on a tangent and not cover it all (laughs) because that's what we do. Uh, But the first one feels really obvious. And so one of the benefits is that you end up with more confidence and more self-esteem because self-esteem is accepting yourself Mm. for who you are, for all of who you are right? So if this feels like a no-brainer, A to B, do shadow work, healing work, (laughs) and you will feel more confident and feel more at peace and at ease with yourself. I know I do. Mm -hmm. That sounded like a testimonial. I know I do. (laughs) Praise (laughs) be to she. (laughs) I think we also have improved creativity is another one on the list here. And I think that the reason we have improved creativity is because we're not in that perpetual cycle of perfect perfectionism. We're not in the cycle of this can never be out there. And, you know, one of my favorite things to remind myself of, and it's something that I use with my teachers and training all the time. is like, we have to write a shitty first draft. You have mm-hmm. to, because that is the mm-hmm. baseline for everything else that you do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that improving our creativity, it, it's a few things. Our flow is we're now like back in flow when we're being creative. We're turning ourselves on when we're being creative and that is lighting us up and we're attracting things to us. And that also helps us heal our shadow because part of being in the light is not bypassing this, but is also understanding that when we are fully in our element and integrated, that we attract multiple things around us. Mm -hmm. And we're not expending all of this energy trying to hide ourselves from ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so like creativity, it takes being able to be still and present and have energy. And so anything that drains our energy is also going to drain our creativity. Yes, indeed. Yeah. This work obviously also helps you build better relationships because you are able to start to identify and therefore shift the behaviors that can be really hurtful to others as well. Most shadow wounds, shadow healing kind of work that we do, as Ellie said, we identify it by these negative behaviors. And if you've ever been around somebody who, you know, is super pessimistic all the time, you know how draining that is, or who is super jealous, say, that one feels like an easy example to use with relationships, especially If your knee-jerk reaction when your partner says, oh, I'm going out with Jerry, is to be like, who's Jerry? Is it like, are they a a woman or a man? Like, how long have you known? You know, that that kind of piece of like, I've been wounded in the past, and so I don't trust you. Mm -hmm. And there's no way to build a healthy relationship unless you can have that insight and reflect and, yeah, continue to communicate about it too. I also really think that it helps your partner start to do their own reflection, right? It's modeling that behavior and modeling being okay with saying, I do something I really don't love. I'm I'm working on not doing it, 
I'm, I'm letting you know that I'm still doing it, but I don't like doing it. And so it gives them permission to also say, oh, I have a behavior that I don't love. So I'm sorry I'm doing it and I'm working on it, but it's not going to go away overnight. Mm-hmm. That integration, I think, as well with with building that into that dialogue into your relationship, you actually have an opportunity to express not just from your shadow side of things and the mm-hmm. reflection that you gave of jealousy and this is this is like this comes back into the sisterhood wound like we have jealousy that happens there and, and you know whenever we see somebody that we admire who has an opportunity that we would have really loved to have had that opportunity this is a great time for us to look into it and say okay did they just get handed that opportunity what actually happened here what kind of work did they do what kind of things can I model can I expand myself and model myself after in order to to get what I want, which is what they had. And I think that we were not built with jealousy for no reason. Also, as a Scorpio, where the main emotion that comes up with Scorpios, which I think is actually false. I'm here to change this perception. But the main uh, emotion that comes up with Scorpios is jealousy. And I think that we can change this into in a lot of ways, a strong adoration, because of course we also have that, but an adoration in a self-doubt sort of way that doesn't allow for us to believe that we too can have that. But I think that the universe puts nothing in our hearts that we cannot achieve mm-hmm. in some capacity. And so using those those opportunities as expanders for us, it's, it's a good way to, for us to continue to build our relationships. Mm-hmm. Which leads us to self-acceptance because we were talking about jealousy and relationships and all of those things. And self-acceptance is really not about, again, this bypassing. It's about like, okay, when this happens, I react like X. What is it that I can do to soothe my nervous system? You know, I had a girlfriend call me and her and her partner had a, a disagreement this weekend. And there was a lot of shadow that had come up from both parties. And one of my first recommendation is just like, what is it that your inner child really needs to hear right now? Like, how can you soothe your nervous system? And I think part of self-acceptance is putting tools in our toolbox that allow for us to soothe our nervous system, especially when we're working through shadow stuff. Mm -hmm. Because it is difficult. It's difficult. It's not impossible it's not the worst thing we've ever done. Actually living and people pleasing is way worse for me than it is like addressing a shadow and understanding and accepting for that matter, that this is how we resolve what's going on. Then it makes it better and quicker to move through whatever. We don't have to linger for so long, which is the painful part. So we can move through this and accept ourselves for exactly who we are. Again, transposing those two, those two parts of ourselves that come together. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this piece too, of like addressing your shadow is often addressing or acquainting yourself with your inner child leads us into this next benefit, which is discovering your hidden talents. Because so often when we connect with our inner child, we ask what they need. We go back to that time and place when we were young, we rediscover or discover things that we really enjoyed doing or that we had an aptitude for that we squashed down because maybe they weren't what we should be doing. They weren't desirable or maybe they weren't going to be profitable. So in a lot of families, kids who express a lot of artistic talent get told like, yeah, that's fun to do on the side, but like you can't make any money doing it. So like 
go into physics or whatever. <laughs> so sometimes when you're doing this shadow work, things will come up that you had forgotten about that you really, really loved or were really good at. And so it gives you the ability to shine a new light on it and maybe start to dabble with weaving it back into your life. I love this inkling of weaving it back in because this is exactly what we need to be doing with our shadow. Mm-hmm. Leaving it back into our everyday life. We also have here on our list of improving our overall wellness. And improving our overall wellness, I think, is a few, like we can come at this from a few different aspects. One is understanding that when we are in misalignment with who we really are, that has that pays a toll. We pay it pay, we pay a price for our nervous system, for our immune system, and for our family system, for that matter, like for our relations, it has an overall effect on everything that we do. And living in misalignment with who we really are is probably the most pain you can feel because it's it's just this dull ache that is sometimes unidentifiable that we, mm-hmm. we sit here and we go, oh, wait, in past, in hindsight, oh, that's what that was. But Mm -hmm. in the moment, we're just like, we just got to get through this day. We just got to get our head to the pillow at night. And then we just got to try to sleep. Then we have to try Mm -hmm. to wake up on time. And then we got to try to do this all over again. Living in a more alignment with who who we are, the benefit to that is our immune system is feeling much better. It's operating at an optimal, in optimal alignment. And again, you just said, you know, Gabor Mate, one of the first things that he talks about in this particular book is the, like, high, high, high number of women who suffer from autoimmune disease. And what is the the autoimmune disease is that the immune system is literally trying to attack itself because it thinks it's a threat. Mm-hmm. So how are we becoming threats to ourself by not addressing mm-hmm. these things? Mm-hmm. He talks so much about repression of our natural desires, wants, needs, emotions, and the direct link to all of those like fibromyalgia pain scores go up in women who are nice all the time who don't express rage like they've done they've done a ton of studies now there's so much good science backing up what we have always known really many of us (laughs) have always known I think what's interesting about you saying and bringing up fibromyalgia hi mom it's me your favorite daughter speaking right now for a point in my mom's life, we can look back on this, and I'm sure that she can admit the same thing. But there was a lot of misalignment in the relationship with her and my father, just because she wanted something different than he wanted. She wanted to be able to go back to school, and he knew that she didn't need to go back to school. I mean, all things considered, because she was already successful in whatever it was that she was doing. And she went through a huge bout of fibromyalgia. And I was probably in my early teens, maybe even 10 to 12. And I remember thinking to myself, like, it's not like my mom to be ill because that's not who she is. And I think when we look back on this, it was probably superimposed at that exact time. I don't remember if that's exactly what was going on, but that was a period in my life that I remember being imprinted on me and a period in her life that she was uh, not doing really well and was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And at that point, this is many years ago, at that point, it was like rest. And of course, what a great thing, but we want a magic pill. What a great tool and suggestion, like rest, reflect, do things that you really love. And the rest of us are out here, you know, 
begging the medical industry for a magic pill that will just help us solve this immediately because we don't want to be in this pain. But then we don't want to rest because it's uncomfortable. I shared something today on my Instagram from a coach that I follow who I love who was saying, if you are not used to resting, rest is going to feel like, I think she said it's an ass feeling. (laughs) Like it feels shitty. Your nervous system isn't used to it. It feels scary and overwhelming to not constantly be doing yeah it's the same thing like in shavasana in yoga class like some people sit the whole time they sit upright sometimes they lay down with their eyes fully open looking around like it's hard to actually turn your nervous system to not off but down way down um that's Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i think these these last two that we have I sense that we've touched on them a little bit. I'm going to name them both. We can speak to them. And then we're going to go into working with your shadow because I think that's really important. We're getting a very good sense of why it's important (laughs) to work with your shadow. Uh, And that's increasing your compassion towards others and self. And we really touched on this when we said, you know, being able to see or recognize somebody else's shadow, even if they can't see it, even though you're not pointing it out, is often a really good way to be more compassionate towards others, being able to see and fathom the hurts that other people have undergone makes even the shittiest behaviors understandable. I've really, really noticed a shift in myself in the last year, especially, but kind of the last two years of starting to practice a lot more compassion towards myself and towards others that when I hear about people doing horrible things in the world, the first thing I think of is how I wish I could help them to stop hurting like the people doing the horrible things when somebody's super rude to me I'm like oh I'm so sorry that you feel badly enough that you're gonna snap at somebody else right like what is happening for you that you have to hurt others so I think that yeah that that increasing of compassion people often say you know love will heal the world and I think at the heart of this is compassion Love is a word that is obviously beautiful and very important, but we have, especially in Western society, a a bit of a fixation on romantic love when we hear the word. And so I think compassion is a beautiful way of encapsulating a lot of what love means. And it feels like it can be really directed. Love this. And then clarity. (laughs) Understanding, period. Let's talk about ways that we can work with our shadow. That we can embrace this, that we can move it together. All of the shadow work tools, like, yes, you can work with, with Eileen and I, like, yes, you can work with Eileen and I in this work. Most definitely. But a lot of what we're going to suggest here is really about tools that you already probably have at your fingertips that you can use just a matter of knowing how to use them. So meditation, one of the first things, whenever I I first teach people how to meditate, one of the things that people say is like, I can't meditate because I can't sit still long enough. Yeah, neither can I. The point of it is not to sit still. The point of it is not to not have any thoughts. The point of it is actually to separate some thoughts with just a little bit of space in between. And so I often use my meditation in a couple of different ways. One, something called empty presence, which is just allowing whatever needs to come through, come through to me. So it's like it being a channel. And so in this channel, I will say, I will say, what is it that I need to know? Higher self, God, universe, goddess, anything. What is it that I need to know? Please point me in the right direction. And when working in shadow, it often feels like we are so in the darkness of it that you can even use the words, show me the light. So that's the first way that I like to use meditation. The second way is to really just find that like 
that moment in time between those thoughts like we talked about. So we're in a, a, a reactionary phase. We're in a shadow uh, phase of our life. We're in the dark moon. And in those moments, the med- where meditation can be used to just get some space in our life because it often feels like we're just being hammered and hammered and hammered with negative thoughts which are draining and again our nervous system and our immune system start to get depleted we're tired to begin with and yet too wired to sleep you know Mm -hmm. I feel like this is making me think about one of my favorite guided meditation speakers I don't know when I was initially learning, now I find he talks too much through his guided meditations. But when I was learning, it was really helpful. But one of the ways he framed this was, you know, meditation is learning to build your equanimity muscle, that ability to notice and come back and notice and come back. And so often the breath is used, that's a really easy anchor, but it's not about not having those crazy wild thoughts. I've had meditations where I was like, oh, nine of those 10 minutes, I was on a tear. But On the ninth minute, I noticed and I came back. And so that's a win. And the more you practice, the easier it is to notice and come back. Your thoughts are always going to be there. Mm -hmm. They're always going to, you can't turn them off. That is not actually possible. Even the like monks who've meditated for 10,000 plus hours, they don't, they still have thoughts. (laughs) They're just really good at letting them float by in the river of their mind, as it were, over and over. Next thing with working with your shadow is ceremony and one of the beauties of ceremony ritual temple is that you are in an alchemically different environment so you might still be in your bedroom you might still be in your office you might be online you know in a virtual space you might be in person with four walls that might be a church basement I used to do a lot of work in a heritage house basement in a church basement And I always said, like, yes, we're in a church and we're doing unblasphemous, unreligious things in a lot of ways. (laughs) And yet these are not just the four walls of the space that we're in. And so understanding that through ceremony and, and temple work and ritual, the alchemical mixture that we are put in allows for us to really let go of a lot of the anchors that are weighing us down from everyday life and everyday shadow work so that we can make those quantum leaps. And this Mm -hmm. is why I love, I love ceremonial work so much. We need this. We need this space because we're literally just walking around every day, trying to figure this out and coming to ceremony, coming to temple allows for us to step into the energy Mm -hmm. of something greater than ourselves. Yeah, there's that power and potency. And we kind of talked about this a lot when we were talking about rituals, I think, or altar building, uh, the sense of intention, right? Of cultivating sacred space or sacred time. And I think with ceremony or ritual, it is that ability to open sacred space hold an intention within it that is magical it creates more potency it creates as you said a different alchemical space and so I think that especially if you're working with your shadow but really anytime you're opening sacred space the ability to have like a delineation of an opening and a closing is important too so that it doesn't leak into the rest of your day because often with things like ceremony you may end up going a lot deeper than you might 
with just like dropping into a regular meditation practice or journaling, which is what we're going to speak to next. You're reminding me of something as well. I think the importance of working with somebody through ceremony, like for anybody who has gone to a yoga class, the difference between a yoga class where the yoga teacher says, okay, set your intention for today, which personally I'm going to say, I fucking hate that shit. I hate it because I paid or energetically came to be guided by you. Take me somewhere. Take me somewhere. So the difference between that and walking into a yoga class where there's a, a clear intention for the class, the teacher has the, the tools or whatnot that you're going to use at the front of the class as a demonstration for what to use. Maybe they greet you there. Everyone is in their own zone whenever you get there. Or maybe there's a community aspect to it, let's say, for example. But then the yoga teacher says, the leader of the group says, this is where we're going to go today. I want everyone to close their eyes. I want everyone to think about an example in their life where they have felt their shadow side come up, for example. And this is what happens to us. Take me on a ride. And then again, there's an alchemical magic that happens during that yoga class. It's just like this mini ceremony that we do. And then at the end of it, we close it out with a, with a shavasana. We, we let the dust that we stirred up settle. And then we come back up and we, we, you know, give thanks. We honor everybody around us. And I think that that's a real difference for me in terms of being guided by somebody who really understands the aspect of taking someone on a journey. Mm -hmm. This doesn't have to be in shadow work. This is just in general for us to look for in teachers. And there's a reason why we have self-expression and, and whatnot in our everyday life and in our, in our yoga classes like our self-expression can come in with how we do a pose like how mm -hmm. we express the pose for example in this yoga example but the main thing is that when we're working with somebody in ceremony that they are the driver of the of the bus and you are a participant on that bus and you are just waving out the window at the crowd as you pass by <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that and, and not to say that you can't do ceremony all by yourself too. No, yeah. You totally can. But if you are, as Ali was saying, if you are seeking ceremony, it should be held. It should be guided. I think that's mm. the magic of that. You sought it out for a reason because mm -hmm. you didn't want to do it yourself. <laughs> There's still mm. work from you, but yeah, that, that beautiful guidance. It's almost like the ceremony holder is the riverbanks and you're the river and you get to flow as you will navigating obstacles but there's like this held space and direction mm -hmm. for the space keepers yeah yeah another way that it feels like this oh that's so momentous I feel like <laughs> okay another way to drop into some shadow work one that I really love is journaling and um, and I love it because it is a great way to process and get at subconscious feelings especially if you can journal kind of free flow just write and let yourself write don't think about what you're writing just go and if you can do it often first thing in the morning before you've really consumed anything else too you're a lot more likely to access some deep spots or if you're having really strong emotions I was a journaler all through my childhood and youth and into my 20s, I kind of paused. And then when my marriage started getting hard, I started journaling again. And it was a really, really powerful way for me to unburden myself of some of the things that you'd never want to say to anyone because you know they're extreme. 
and maybe they're actually not entirely true, but you got to get them out. It's like that writing a letter to someone you're really mad at with no intention of ever actually sending it because it's vitriol, but getting it out can really help. And then you can go back and revisit or reread once you're done. But it's a tool, kind of a long-term shadow work tool as well to be able to revisit and say, oh, this same mm. pattern is still coming up and nothing's shifted maybe it's time to try something else or do something else or seek some guidance and support in this or or what have you. I think there's something that you said that I really want to emphasize here. And this is the whole aspect of like being able to reflect upon what, what it is that you wrote down. I think that when we speak, sometimes we don't hear ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so we lose like whatever it is that we said. I'm like, I have no idea what I just said. But when we journal, then this is an opportunity for you to go back and actually look, oh, this is a shadow, like with a clean set of eyes, with a different lens on. This is a shadow. This is a shadow. Oh, this is how I deal with this. This is how I avoid this. This is how I skirt this this subject. And that's an opportunity for you to do an even deeper reflection of shadow work. And it's it's so great. I'm also a fan of journaling. I want to speak to something that I I think I've mentioned briefly in this podcast before, but I don't remember where. So I'm going to say it again. For anybody who's a fan of Liz Gilbert, she has the most kind and loving and really magical way of journaling. And every day she writes a letter as if God was speaking to her. Hmm. And if we think of God in terms of like, for me, God is really like great mother or the goddess. Like, how would somebody with nothing but adoration for me speak to me? And mm. usually she opens up her letters to herself and she lets us as a free consciousness. Like, I want you to know today. But she starts her letters with, oh, my beloved, sweet mm. child. Like any of those things that you would really address yourself, especially when we're in shadow work or working through shadow things. If we're not even in the shadow trigger, we're just working through what's going on here. I think that addressing ourselves with such incredible love and in the temple space, like we address everybody as sister and as beloved and, you know, all of these really loving names because there is nothing but love present there. Mm -hmm. And so if we can really just move from a place of, of nothing but love, I think that that also helps us really identify because we can say with a clean consciousness, with a clean, you know, stream of thought, absolutely from a loving place. This is what I need you to know. Yeah. Yeah. That's something about having the words on the page gives you like perspective and some separation. Mm-hmm. from it mm-hmm. it's almost less personal yeah when you're separation. saying that. yeah like that ability to be like okay now this feels like this thing outside of myself that I can look at with a different lens and whether that be adoration which can be really hard to allow or looking at the dark things and being like okay I see these having it be physically separate from you can make it easier to work with and mm-hmm. and address mm-hmm do you want to talk about expressing your true self? Yeah. Or dancing this weekend? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is totally what that is. There, is, Yeah, this, this way of working with shadow. I'm actually coming up against this in my coaching and my online presence right now and like working with my one-on-one coach. Like, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? And I've shifted a lot in the last year and a bit. I'm getting more visible. I'm getting more aligned. But I was like, I am bigger than this. Mm 
I am like, <laughs> I got more to say and more to show and more to be. And it can be really scary because of our shadows mm. to be and show up. This comes back to that witch wound again, right? Expressing your true self is being vulnerably visible. And in my experience of slowly moving to the next level and the next level of visibility, once you do it, it gets easier to do it and it feels really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does feel really good. I think as well, you know, in terms of expressing ourselves, it's not necessarily just in what we're saying. Like it's, yes, it's totally mm-hmm. like, if we think about what our brand is, let's let's go to business speak just for one moment, because I think that we walk around with a brand, whether we know it or not, and whether we're selling anything or not, we're selling ourselves. And we can express ourselves in different ways, like how we dress now, the colors mm-hmm. we wear. Like 90% of the time I wear black. For a hot second, when my lover and I first started dating, she said something to me about the amount of black I wore and I thought I should add more color to my wardrobe no that's not who I am that's <laughs> not I added more color I never wore it right yeah you know? and yeah. I know I have a couple of dresses in my in my wardrobe right now that are really like high pattern and my desire is to have that really vibrant pattern with something black over top of it Right. You know, so what, you know, how we dress is expressing our true self, how we wear our hair. So again, this is just deconditioning. I I think about this ridiculous thing as I age and I'm doing a bunch of work with like maiden mother crone right now. A belief that my former mother-in-law had was that anybody who had gray hair should not have long hair. It should be I love beautiful long silver hair I cannot wait I'm gonna be waiting a while I think I got my dad's jeans he's still not fully gray my grandmother turned gray at around 20 my lover turned gray at around 20 and I was like I like she has beautiful my grandmother as well had beautiful white with a little bit of pepper in their hair and it's just like I can't imagine her with any other color either of them with any other color you know but but it's the way that we wear our hair it's in who we hang out with who we who mm-hmm. we keep company with with our traditions with our beliefs <laughs> okay we have one more thing that we want to speak to around working with your shadow before we wrap up yeah let's wrap up with using essential oils and doing anointing rituals and i think that what we can say about this is that our shadow often has us locked into a certain state in our nervous system and using essential oils or using scent as a way to break that pattern is a really powerful and quick and easy way to move through it. And so finding essential oils that you really love and uh, using them so that you can change your state, you know, lavender Mm -hmm. is really great. Cedar wood, any of the tree, any fur oils, anything like that. I would say floral and tree are great categories of oils to use for your central nervous system and then Mm. anointing yourself with them. And so putting, literally putting them on your body so that they can absorb into your body and that they can really work their magic for whatever it is that we need to be shifting in our, in our current states. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. 
And obviously this list isn't exhaustive. I was just like, oh, and somatic work. Oh, and hypnosis. Mm. Oh, and medicine journey, plant medicine. So there's there's a lot of other ways that you can work with your shadow, but these are just the ones we chose to touch on today. Definitely, definitely. Shall we talk a little bit about Patreon? Let's talk about Patreon. Before we talk about Patreon, actually, mm. if you have any ways that you really love working with your shadow, come on over to Instagram, let us know. We love making an exhaustive list, really making an exhaustive list of ways that you can work with your shadow so that we too can learn different ways that people enjoy doing this. Or if you have any stories that you want to share with us. So thanks for coming with us on this journey of shadow work. I'm just, it's just something that I'm super passionate about. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about Patreon. Okay. Yes. As we mentioned at the top of the episode, and we've been talking about for a couple of weeks, we're getting really, really excited to officially dive into our first month of live events in Patreon in December. We are having a book club monthly, and so each month we're going to read a book together. If you're interested in joining, the book is If Women Rose Rooted by Sharon Blackie, and it's so good. It's so beautiful. It feels really perfect for the darkest month of the year. And she talks about going inwards and there's a whole section on caves and it just feels really like fertile (laughs) and dark. So we'll be doing our live book club on the 28th of December in the evening. We have a new moon card reading by Ellie off the top of my head right now. I don't remember the date, but it's on the new moon. (laughs) So you can look it up in the evening. And then we're also going to do a monthly witch's corner. I feel like we're just rolling with this name because we haven't picked a different one. So (laughs) this is is the name. VIP day. Woo crew VIP day. Yes, exactly. Where we're going to open the Zoom room and you're going to come and ask us any and all of your questions. We'll have a theme in case you don't have questions initially. You can obviously tell we can fill an hour, no problem talking, (laughs) but it's your opportunity to ask us anything that you might be curious about that we haven't yet touched on. And then there's a whole bunch of other little goodies and delights and surprises, some uh, ceremony guides and altar building and stickers are coming. And I was just thinking of something else I could offer in here as we were chatting. So you'll have to come inside to find out. Yeah. And the links in the show notes. <laughs> so the show notes is 11.11 to join us in our Patreon per month. And we are just, we're just over the moon with being able to to offer up this platform for, for everybody to commune in. What kind of programs or events or anything do you have coming up this week, Eileen? Mm, yeah, we are into the beginning of Restmas, which is a 21 day free, it's like an anti-challenge. It's not a challenge. It is rest. It's challenging, I guess. <laughs> I hesitate to call it a challenge because I don't want it to feel like, oh, one more thing I have to do. So it's a 21 day rest practice. Each day I'm just dropping into my close friends stories on Instagram and delivering a little rest tip or practice mindfulness or a guided visualization link that I've recorded. So they're my own voice. And you can certainly join us now. It doesn't matter that you've missed a few days. If you're just hopping on now, I'm sending out an email at the end of each week to to kind of sum up the practices for the week, because I also applaud people not being on Instagram every day. So the link will be in the show notes, or if you're watching this on YouTube, just pop over to our Instagram and find find my link in bio, because in the YouTube won't let me link things because it can't verify my identity yet. <laughs> so there's that. And then Yule is coming up. 
I'm hosting an online Yule ceremony on the 18th at 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And then I've got an in-person if you're in Calgary. It's happening on the 15th, which is a Friday at 6 p.m. if you want to come for potluck and 7 p.m. if you want to just join for the ceremony portion. What about you? This is how you can work with me over the next couple of weeks. I am booking tarot readings for the end of the year. So these are a yearly spread tarot reading that you can book with me. I'm only opening up 15 spots because they are laborious. There's a lot that goes into it. This is a live reading with you and I. We get to look at the whole year ahead and really dig into what's going on. So we'll see where our shadow aspects are going to show up, number one, and we'll be able to dig into them a little further. This is a great opportunity for us to work together in the sphere. Also, any of the full moons come into my Facebook group, which is called the Matriarch Collective. And each Mm -hmm. full moon, I do a live, free, one-card tarot reading, oracle reading, really, for anyone who shows up live. And I would love to open the doors to you. Come into our archetypal temple. It's nice inside. It's so nice inside. This, those are the two ways that you can really work with me over this next little while. Come book your tarot. Beautiful. Yeah, that's an amazing offer. And if you have somebody in your life that you know would love a tarot reading, this is a new thing that I'm offering actually is gift. Mm, gift it. Gift certificates. So if you are uh, a gal who has a partner and you know that you want a gift certificate, I'm going to put a link below and you can you can send that link to your lover and say, please buy this for me. That's perfect. We'll love it. Yeah. Soul council sessions, the same. If you know somebody mm-hmm. who needs some guidance or clarity, those are kind of, those are ongoing. They are a staple of my offering and they're always available to you. And they do make a beautiful gift if I do say so myself. Mm. There you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So come follow us on, on Instagram. Come follow us on Instagram. See what we're up to. Check out our stories. Check out our reels. And... Give us a five-star review. If you loved this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Let us know what you think. And we're open to suggestions for anything that you want to hear more about. Mm -hmm. And tell your friends. We want this Woo Crew to be global. Yeah, this is going to be, this is a, we're starting a movement, people. Sit down for this. This is a movement. Welcome. And you're in at the ground floor. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thanks again. All right. <laughs> That's a wrap on this week. We can't wait to see you again this time next week and take good care. Thanks so much.